Welcome to Conference Coverage, presented by ReachMD Radio on XM160 and powered by Health Day. Featuring the latest clinical information and research findings from the 69th Annual Meeting of the American Academy of Dermatology, which took place February 4th through the 8th in New Orleans. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz. And I'm Sue Bird. This year's meeting attracted approximately 16,000 participants from around the world. The conference highlighted recent advances in the diagnosis and management of dermatologic conditions with presentations and abstracts focusing on acne, rosacea, basal cell carcinoma, squamous cell carcinoma, and melanoma, among other skin conditions. During one presentation, Dr. Mario E. Lacutor of Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City discussed the dermatologic adverse events associated with cancer treatment. Approximately one-third to one-half of cancer patients treated with chemotherapy or radiation experienced dermatologic side effects. Dr. Lacutor said the impact of these side effects is fourfold, including psychosocial impacts, financial impacts, physical health issues such as susceptibility to infections, and effects on dosing and scheduling of anti-cancer drugs. A recent study of 350 cancer survivors found that patients reported skin irritation and dry skin were the most debilitating side effects, with negative impacts on quality of life that they didn't expect. Inflammatory skin reactions are a common side effect of cancer therapy that can range from mild to severe and include itchy and painful rashes. In addition, patients with prior skin, hair, and nail conditions may have a worsening of symptoms with chemotherapy, radiation, or oral cancer therapy. Also, Dr. Lacutor said that many of the newer cancer treatments, including targeted therapies, are associated with a severe acne-like rash on the chest and body. Researchers at Memorial Sloan Kettering found that treating patients prophylactically with moisturizer, sunscreen, topical steroids, and doxycycline minimized moderate to severe rash from panitumumab by more than 50%. Dr. Lacutor added that the majority of dermatologic conditions in cancer patients are treatable so that most patients can continue therapy and maximize their quality of life. In another presentation, Dr. Diane S. Burson of Weill Medical College of Cornell University in New York City discussed how small changes in skin care, including use of some of the newly formulated cosmeceuticals, may significantly improve skin conditions such as acne and rosacea. Dr. Burson recommended the use of a gentle skin cleanser or cleanser specifically formulated for skin prone to acne and rosacea, and to avoid harsh cleansers or scrubs that could make acne and rosacea worse. In addition, she recommended the use of light, oil-free moisturizer and sunscreen that is non-comedogenic, and avoiding the use of products containing heavy mineral oils. Dr. Burson added that as far as prescription medications are concerned, the reformulation of existing active ingredients has led to better tolerated products. The vehicles that deliver active ingredients to the skin now contain more emollients and humectants that are soothing and non-irritating. Active ingredients can also be released slowly through microsponges, a unique technology that consists of tiny sponges releasing active ingredients on the skin slowly over time and in response to other factors such as temperature or skin massage. Compliance with the use of these medications has also improved due to results that are more cosmetically pleasing. Dr. Julian J. Trevino of the Wright State University Boonshoft School of Medicine in Dayton, Ohio, discussed common skin reactions that could occur from contact with plants, as well as effective treatments and preventative strategies. He said that most skin reactions resulting from direct contact with a hazardous plant are more of a nuisance than anything else, 
but there are some instances where the reaction can affect the entire body and pose a potentially more serious risk. For example, people who are allergic to plants or have sensitive skin that is prone to eczema or atopic dermatitis may experience more severe or long-lasting effects that require medical attention. Allergic reactions to plants include toxin-mediated urticaria, or hives, from stinging nettle plants, fresh fruits and vegetables, herbs, nuts, shrubs, and grasses, as well as skin rashes and irritation from poison ivy, oak, and sumac. In an effort to reduce the risk of skin reactions, Dr. Trevino recommended that individuals wear protective clothing whenever possible, apply an over-the-counter barrier cream or lotion containing quaternium-18 bentonite to exposed skin before going outdoors, and avoid poisonous plants. Dr. Zoe D. Dralos from the Duke University School of Medicine discussed harmful effects of harsh chemicals and heated styling devices on hair. Dr. Dralos also provided tips to reverse damage and maintain healthy hair. In a statement, he said that many products have been developed to counter the effects of overprocessing hair, and regular moisturizing is a must for women with visible signs of hair damage. Dr. Dralos recommended using conditioning shampoos and conditioners regularly to reverse chemical damage. He also said patients should look for products containing dimethicone, as well as to try newly introduced hair serums to refrain from hair drying, and if they do use hair dye, to select a product within three color shades of their hair's natural color. He added that dramatic changes in temperature may also impact the shine and appearance of hair. In an effort to improve heat-damaged hair, Dr. Dralos recommended allowing hair to air dry, avoiding the highest temperature setting on a hair dryer, using a ceramic iron to straighten hair, and moisturizing hair regularly. Dr. Brian Adams from the University of Cincinnati School of Medicine discussed skin conditions resulting from skin-to-skin -skin contact among athletes and how to prevent outbreaks in sports teams. In his presentation, Dr. Adams said that wrestlers, as well as other athletes with skin-to-skin -skin contact, are at a higher risk of developing impetigo, which may be caused by methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, or MRSA infection. In a recent review of MRSA infection among athletes, researchers found that contributing factors to the incidence of infection include physical contact, shared facilities and equipment, and poor hygiene. Dr. Adams also noted that the herpes simplex virus is commonly transmitted among athletes and that it must be detected and treated quickly to prevent spread of the virus among team members. Tinea corporis, also known as ringworm, is also a concern. This is a common fungal infection characterized by an itchy, red circular rash with clear skin in the middle, which can be treated with topical or oral antifungal medications. Last, Dr. Adams discussed the common fungal infection of tinea pedis, also known as athlete's foot. He said athlete's foot can be treated successfully with one of the many over-the-counter topical antifungal creams, but there are also preventative steps that all athletes can take, such as wearing moisture-wicking socks rather than cotton socks, which trap moisture. Also, after working out or competing, athletes should shower immediately and make sure they wear flip-flops in the shower or locker room. According to a presentation on common infant birthmarks, the type and timing of treatment among infants should depend on the defining characteristics of the birthmark. Dr. Sheila Fallon Friedlander from the University of California in San Diego discussed which birthmarks should be treated in infancy and the most effective treatments for red, white, and brown birthmarks. 
Infantile hemangiomas are the most common type of red birthmarks and appear as small strawberry-shaped bumps or flat spots on the skin at birth or shortly after. These birthmarks grow during the first two to six months and then stop growing. Dr. Friedlander said that typically, most infantile hemangiomas will disappear on their own, but there are some instances where treatment is recommended. For instance, infantile hemangioma occurring around the eyes could obstruct and prevent normal visual development, while lesions in the groin area can become inflamed and cause pain. And some facial birthmarks, depending on their size, may leave behind a scar or saggy skin after they disappear. Hemangioma treatment options include propranolol, a drug used to treat high blood pressure. Other treatments for hemangiomas include systemic steroids and intralesional steroid therapy. Dr. Friedlander noted that all treatments may be associated with side effects, which warrant close monitoring. Dr. Friedlander also discussed white birthmarks, which are generally harmless, but can sometimes result in a permanent loss of pigmentation in the affected area. He added that a type of brown birthmark, congenital nevus, may develop into melanoma. However, lighter brown birthmarks, which are termed cafe au lait birthmarks, are less concerning. They do not appear to pose a medical concern unless multiple birthmarks or a very large spot are present. For patients presenting with multiple cafe au lait birthmarks, Dr. Friedlander stressed the need for evaluation by a dermatologist for other associated conditions, particularly neurofibromatosis, a genetically inherited disorder in which nerve tissues grow tumors. But for patients who want to treat a cosmetically troublesome facial cafe au lait birthmark, Dr. Friedlander suggested various laser treatments could be useful. New statistics are out suggesting the incidence of non-melanoma skin cancer in the United States appears to be increasing as individuals have failed to incorporate sun protection behaviors despite proven scientific evidence that sun exposure is a preventable risk factor. Dr. Brett M. Coldiron of the University of Cincinnati gave a presentation in which he discussed this increase in incidence and reasons why young people are at an elevated risk of developing this type of cancer. A recent analysis of Medicare claims data revealed that between 1994 and 2006, treatment of non-melanoma skin cancers in the United States nearly doubled, with more than 3.5 million new cases estimated in 2006. Attitudes regarding tanning remain unchanged despite the fact that exposure to ultraviolet light has proven to be the most preventable risk factor for skin cancer. The American Academy of Dermatology recommends that individuals use a broad-spectrum, water-resistant sunscreen with a sun protection factor of at least 30 on all exposed skin, as well as wear protective clothing, seek shade whenever appropriate, use extra caution around water, snow, and sand as they reflect damaging rays of the sun, avoid tanning beds, and get vitamin D safely through a healthy diet that may include vitamin supplements. Dr. Coldiron added that dermatologists know how difficult it can be to change behavior, even in the face of proven scientific evidence, and attitudes about tanning are no different. Studies have shown that even though people know exposure to UV light can lead to skin cancer, they still tan. Dermatologists need to persuade young people to realize that tanning for cosmetic reasons now will ultimately affect their appearance negatively later and even increase their risk for skin cancer. Increasing evidence indicates that atopic dermatitis, a chronic disease marked by red, cracked, and itchy skin, may be a precursor to allergic diseases rather than a consequence. 
Dermatologists are advising parents of infants and young children affected by this common skin condition to be aware of the potential for future food allergies. In a five-year multi-center study, researchers at the Oregon Health and Science University in Portland and colleagues found that 15% of infants aged 3 to 18 months with mild cases of atopic dermatitis had definite food allergies, while those with more severe cases had an even higher incidence of developing food allergies. In most cases, children experience atopic dermatitis earlier than food allergies. And according to new guidelines issued by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, children younger than five years of age with moderate to severe atopic dermatitis should be considered for food allergy evaluation for milk, egg, peanut, wheat, and soy. The lead author on the study said in a statement, that 6 to 10% of children have atopic dermatitis, and up to one-third of those children may have documented food allergy. Since in most cases patients experience atopic dermatitis before food allergies, it's important for parents of infants and small children affected by the skin condition to be aware of the risk. Other research suggests that atopic dermatitis is likely related to a defect in the skin's protective epidermal layer, which allows irritants, microbes, and allergens, such as food, to penetrate the skin and cause adverse reactions. Since the skin barrier in patients with atopic dermatitis is compromised and open to absorb proteins, it allows sensitization to certain foods, leading to a positive skin or blood test. Experts add that an exciting area of research is examining whether withholding foods is leading to more allergies in young children compared to unrestricted diets. This research may lead to future insights into potential ways to prevent food allergies. Thank you for listening to conference coverage from the 69th Annual Meeting of the American Academy of Dermatology, which took place February 4th through the 8th in New Orleans. Conference coverage is a presentation of ReachMD Radio, broadcast on XM160 and by live stream at ReachMD, and powered by Health Day. Hi, I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, host of Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine, inviting you to visit our online audio library at ReachMD.com, where you can access thousands of free on-demand podcasts. Here's a sample of one. Do you always see diplopia as a manifestation of malalignment of the eyes? Not always the case. It really depends on the person's ability to be binocular right from the start. So most adults who have acquired ocular misalignments will experience double vision. The more long-standing the problem, for instance, a problem left over from childhood or a decompensating congenital problem. To hear more of this interview from our Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine series, visit ReachMD.com where on our website you can also hear other programs hosted by me and thousands of other on-demand podcasts from our library of other programs on ReachMD Radio, on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Thank you for listening.